You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. And he swings! Friday, August 26th, we've got the call-up. It's a mailbag, but a lot of things have happened leading into the mailbag, so we're going to start with a couple of topics, Jack. Some dude threw 17 strikeouts the other day, yes. and also another dude uh, is slated to potentially make as much as $400 million, $450 million, yes. $200 million guaranteed. Uh, we got some fun stuff and some awesome questions to get to today. Yeah, uh, this is kind of crazy. We we could start with Matt Sauer if you want, and then get to J Rod, or we can start with J Rod because he's already up. And which one's getting four hundred million, and which one struck out seventeen guys yesterday? J Rod struck out seventeen <laughs> LA Angels. Who did Seattle play yesterday? <laughs> Seattle played. Um, they won three one. I know. Uh, no. Who did I, they play? I have no Dude, idea. But but J Rod. J-Rod signs a historic deal, um, you know, which I feel like we just keep saying every time there's a new deal signed. But I mean, this is historic in terms of pre-arb, not just because of the guarantee. The guarantee is right there with Wander. I think it's the upside that this deal has. Well, the structure is extremely complicated. We don't really know yet. I'm sure Jeff Passan's going to, you know, kind of break that all down behind a paywall on ESPN. And and you can kind of see what, you know, what that is. Um, But it's going to be a very, very, very long time that we're going to see Rodriguez in Seattle, which is awesome. Where we continue to see these young players that are, are proving themselves at a younger age. And I think we, we've talked about guys flying through the minors. We're talking about guys starting to make that transition to the big leagues quicker. And the elite talents, that is, of course, that really can make that impact almost right away. It's only the elite of the elite that do that. I mean, Adley probably not far behind getting his contract potentially. And then yeah. Bobby Witt, not on that level, but another guy that you've probably seen enough with Bobby Witt in the second half to say, hey, I'll sign this guy to a pre-arb deal as well. Um, it, it's just a testament to the youthful, youthful talent that we're seeing and how damn good these kids are. Yeah, and let me just say thank God that this trend is actually happening now. Mm-hmm. Um, because like, yeah, I'm so sick of the, the runaround where J-Rod was going to get 700 next year and 700 the year after, 700,000 yeah. next year, the year after. And then you go into arbitration for three years and he's making, what, 19 and a half his second yeah. year of arbitration. Like, 
Come if on, that, I mean, that would have been that, that'd be like almost record breaking. Yeah, he signed up. He signed up for anywhere between 15 and 28 for the next 14 years, yeah. which is perfect for him. I mean, listen, I, I don't think these guys care about um, average annual value if they can bypass arbitration and just make your money now. Like J-Rod, what? He's hoping to possibly sign a $300 million deal in six years. He's signing a deal that could escalate to 450 right now. Um, mm-hmm. Obviously, it started with Acuna, eight years, 100. Um, the White Sox had a pretty good trend. They extended Luis Robert and Eloy Jimenez. They extended Robert before his major league debut. I think they did Eloy right after his major league debut, um, but it could have been before as well. And then obviously you look at Tatis in San Diego. He's really good for a year and a half. They say, you know what? Likeability through the roof, talent through the roof. Let's pay you. Wander Franco after a hundred games, likeability through the roof, talent through the roof. Let's pay you. And Michael Harris, J-Rod. Exactly. And you know, what's funny is, is, I mean, the Tatis contract, I know it's kind of under a microscope now, but we were talking about it. Like Wander has been hurt the whole year and, you know, Lost season for Wander. Tatis saying lost season would be putting it lightly. It's been a disastrous season. I would pick up both of those contracts tomorrow. You know, I I would still pick up both of those players' contracts. So it shows you how it's worth the risk. Like Tatis's deal could not be more catastrophic uh, through the beginning now, uh, through this first year since he's really signed it. And and even Wander, I mean, this has been as bad of a unfortunate of a year that it could have been for him injury wise. And still, I think almost anybody would take those contracts right now. I know people are emotional about Tatis and some may say no, but realistically with what you're getting talent wise, it's a no brainer. And I think that's going to continue to encourage you're seeing the worst case scenarios and there's, I would still take the deal. So I think it's a testament to the fact that it's worth the quote unquote risk for these, these teams. And of course it's worth the pre-arb deal for the players because Again, yeah, you you could hit free agency a little bit earlier. You could make a little bit more money on the back end. Who cares? Solidify that $200 million. Uh, You have the upside, though, and that's the cool wrinkle of this deal. And we're going to continue to see front offices get creative. And we knew yeah. that that Jerry Depoto is probably going to get creative on this deal with, with J-Rod. And the upside kind of makes it feel like you're not giving up too much on the back end, too, for these super talented players. Adley's a little bit older, but I think he's going to get something similar, maybe less years since he's a catcher and already yeah. 24, but maybe something like a 10-year deal for, for Adley. I would do it in two seconds because even when he moves off a catcher, it's a switch hitting power bat that you're going to be just yeah. fine uh, as he ages and, and goes into the latter half of his career. And I, Adley strikes me as another guy that would be just fine taking the 10-year deal and not worrying about anything for the next decade. But I, I don't know. I'm obviously not going to speak for him. Yeah, I we can't speak for these guys, but I, I genuinely do believe that this is a no brainer. And I think that J-Rod's camp and Jerry DePoto um, had a very solid brainstorm session on how to construct this, because the initial reports are that it includes both club options and player options, which is awesome. So certain years, you know, you will hit a threshold where you have a player option. Um, I'm sure the player option will come after the club options. Mm-hmm. Um I, this is a win-win for everybody. Yeah, no, it's it's awesome. And again, good for baseball as well. Continuing to see these teams. I wouldn't say Seattle's a small market, but continuing to see the teams that aren't the Dodgers, the Yankees and, and the big wigs, you know, locking up their stars and adding parity to the game. That's the thing. Anybody can pay a superstar like this. Yes. Anybody. Even, even, even the damn Marlins could. 
You can yes. lock up your guy. I mean, they did it with Sandy for 50 mil, like whatever. I think they should have tried to do it a little bit longer. It's different for pitchers, and that's an entirely different story. But, you know, I would almost, <laughs> if I'm the Marlins, I would consider going back to Sandy this year and saying, never mind, you want to restructure this thing, add a couple of years, and we'll throw some more money. Obviously, they're not going to do that. But, you know, like that, even the Marlins can pull off a deal like this, especially with the way that these deals are, are backloaded and you're getting, you know, prime years and the most expensive years. And they're still probably discounted because of the leverage you have in pre-arbitration. Before we get to the questions, I want to talk about Matt Sauer, who, what the hell? (laughs) Um, I I thought I was, I thought I was misreading the stat line. I I tuned into the game at the end, which was funny because they actually ended up losing. It was in double a for the Somerset Patriots, Matt Sauer, six, four right-hander who has been a pretty decent pitching prospect, but never really a guy that I don't think anybody would have said, Oh yeah, that guy could go out there and strike out, you know, 14, 15, any given outing. He has averaged a high amount of strikeouts dating back to 2021, where he struck out about 10 batters per nine uh, in the early going so far this year has looked even better and uh, got off to a bit of a slow start and double before the last two outings. He was really, really good. And what's funny is something just changed with him. I think he he found the slider a little bit more, but he seems to be manipulating it to a cutter. And we know that cutters have been rampant through the Yankees staff and system. And it's been a big part of why they've been successful. I don't know what the actual breakdown will be. Maybe Sauer says he's just throwing sliders and some of them come out different. You'd have to ask him, but the way that the data kind of is showing it is, is some pitchers are registering as cutters with different movement profiles, a little bit harder. And then some pitches are more sweepy sliders. So I think he's figured something out here because after not striking out double digit batters all season, he did it back to back outings. It wasn't just the 17 yesterday. It was also 11 before that. So 28 strikeouts in his last two outings. And a lot of them came on that slider cutter, whatever you want to call it. And what's most impressive is just the way he's been able to pound the strike zone yesterday, 95 pitches, 75 strikes. And he went to that cutterish slider, you know, 63 times <laughs> he, he found something and just was kind of rolling with it. Almost Corbin Burns style. Yeah, I, I think so too. And I mean, sour, like a little bit of background on sour second round pick of the Yankees out of high school, uh, Southern California guy from Santa Maria, 23 years old, going to turn 24 in January. Um, but this is a guy that, you know, started this year as a 23 year old in high a spent the overwhelming majority started 18 games in high a through 88 innings in high a and at a sub four ERA, like three, seven, seven ERA striking out 10 guys per nine walking three and a half. So it was solid, like 23 year old. You can probably give him the bump up to double. And you're right. I mean, all of a sudden there's this strikeout renaissance yeah. for him through 18 innings with double a Somerset. 31 punch outs, four walks. Incredible. It's insane. I I think he's found something here. So I'm going to do some digging. I wanted to just speak on it. I didn't want to dive into sour too much before I I really am able to figure out what exactly has clicked for him. Uh, But clearly it's something along the lines of a manipulation of his slider, a cutterish fastball. That's more in the 86 mile per hour range, whereas the slider is more 82, 83. So I'm willing to bet that this is a cutter that he really found here. And it's working for him and he can use it a lot, throw it for a strike a lot. And it's getting a lot of swings and misses. Uh, What an outing. Uh, What a memorable night for Matt Sauer and congratulations to him on what was pretty freaking awesome. But baseball stinks and he still didn't get the win. But who cares? Wins don't matter, right? Wins don't matter. matter. Uh, So we're going to get into these questions and there's a lot of really good ones. Thanks for asking them at 
the underscore call up pod on Twitter, also at Armlight Nate. Uh, we were putting out the mailbag over there. And the first question is probably one of the most difficult questions to, to possibly be asked. Uh, it is a battle of two young lefties. And the question is pretty simple. It's just, who do you prefer here? Ricky Tiedemann or Kyle Harrison moving forward? I, the question actually came from Colton Marino. And he literally just says Ricky Tiedemann versus Kyle Harrison question mark. Oh, that's so hard. Um, there's no I wrong answer. There's no wrong answer. That. Let me give you the rundown on the numbers uh, yep. before you give your set answer. Yep. Ricky Tiedemann across low A, high A, and now three starts and double. 17 starts, 75 and two-thirds innings, a 2-2-6 ERA, 4.6 hits per nine. 13.7 Ks per nine, 3.2 walks per nine. So 75 and two thirds, 39 hits, 115 strikeouts, 27 walks. He has faced 291 hitters. Just three have taken him deep. So that's Ricky Tiedemann. Now Kyle Harrison. So far this year across high A and double. Seven starts in high A, yet a 155. Now he's up to double. He's made 14 starts with Richmond. In all, 21 starts. 97 innings. He's got a 2.51 ERA, 14.8 strikeouts per nine, four walks per nine. 97 innings, 65 hits, 160 strikeouts, 43 walks. So, based on the stats alone, who are you taking? Just stats. This isn't your final answer, but just stats. Probably Tiedemann. Okay. So, let's now kind of fill in the background here. Kyle Harrison a year older than Tiedemann almost like to the day or like to, to like within a week. Also, I don't care about height that much, but there is a little bit more just projection with Tiedemann six, four, two fifteen. Kyle Harrison, six, two, one eighty five, but he still has some projection there too. I've Talk about six, the two, arsenal. 200. Sorry. I've got six, two, 200. Oh, you got 200. All right. They threw him 15, wherever you're looking. So that's good. So he's probably more close to filled out at this point. Um, when we talk about arsenal, it's pretty similar. I would say Harrison's bags a little deeper, but the main three pitches are pretty similar. Fastball for Harrison sits at about 93 to 95 miles an hour, uh, and he dominates with that pitch. He goes to it 51% of the time. Guess what? Ricky Tiedemann, similar. A little, a tick, almost like a half a tick higher. He averages more 94, 96, uh, and goes to the pitch 56% of the time. Both have ridiculous swing and miss numbers on their fastballs. And that kind of leads their arsenal for Harrison. I love his changeup, but he's actually gone to the slider more this season and the slider. He goes to about 25% of the time opponents have just a five Oh four OPS against that for Tiedemann. His number two pitch is the changeup, which he, he actually uses the slider and changeup almost identically at 22% each. We'll go with the changeup first 476 opponent OPS against that pitch. And for Tiedemann's slider, 326 OPS against that. You go to Kyle Harrison's changeup. That pitch has been hit a little bit harder this year. So he's clearly just not commanded the changeup as well. Um, he's he's kind of left it over the middle a little bit more. And, and the slider has been a more reliable pitch for him. The interesting part with Tiedemann is that I would say he's thrown strikes a bit more this year. The stuff is maybe slightly, slightly better. And he's a year younger. So I'm going to lean Tiedemann at this point, but I love everything about Kyle Harrison. I think Kyle Harrison is 
a really special pitcher. And especially if he continues to get that change up where I think it can be, because that's been my favorite pitch of his for a while, but the slider seems to have just kind of overtaken it this year. I'm going to lean Tiedemann just because I think he's got a little bit more of a command of all three of his pitches. Yeah. Um, I, uh, two other things intangibles wise that I got to talk about here. Um, Kyle Harrison's full name, Kyle Christopher Harrison, Ricky Tiedemann's full name, Tariq Lenny, L-E-N-I Tiedemann. Way cooler name. Way cooler. Way cooler. So much cooler name for Ricky okay. Tiedemann. Didn't, uh, also, didn't know that. Didn't know that. Okay. Kyle That's Harrison, important. no sick forearm tattoo sleeve. Ricky Tiedemann has a sick forearm tattoo oh. sleeve on his throwing arm. Okay. Th- then it's a no-brainer at this point. Now let's talk real baseball again. What organization do you have more faith in developing these guys to their full potential giants, blue chase? Here's the thing, man. If you asked me that before the season, I would have said giants in half a second, the giants, they've been, they've been having a tough development year, man. It's been been a bad year for the system. It's been a bad development year for them. Um, But in the blue Jays pitching wise, they have not done the best of jobs, but also you look at Alec Manoa and, and he's, climbed right up i think these guys are so talented that it, they, they almost defy whatever org you could throw them in the marlins or you could throw them in the orioles you could throw them in the yankees like i think you could throw them anywhere and these guys would develop quite fine it's yep. i think it's mostly just on them at this point because yep. i think they're both just insanely talented not to mention now more than ever before there are so many outside voices like all these guys have private instructors that they've worked with growing up that they Correct. still rely on and Correct. like these guys are driveline guys they're tread guys they're cressy guys like they they listen to a lot of other people as well as their organization. Correct. Um, and the last thing I'll say is swinging strike rate across the entire arsenal is just more consistent for Tiedemann. 21% swinging strike rate on the fastball, 18% on the changeup, 17% on the slider. When you look at it for Harrison, 19.6% on the fastball. His fastball is ridiculous. Slider at 16%, changeup at 14%. So that third pitch is still lagging behind for Harrison, which again is surprising to me because I had really liked that change up more than the slider going into this year. Uh, Tiedemann's probably the answer. Uh, when you look at the the physicality as well, that just kind of adds to it. And then the command already being a little bit further along than it was for Harrison last year. <clears throat> and, you know, I think also having that year uh, of youth on him as well helps. But man, both these guys are going to be really good pitchers for a long time. I think so too. Um, yeah, I mean, gun to my head, I'm going Ricky Tiedemann right now, and I could get burned in like a year. And I, I don't think you get burned on either. Uh, realistically, I, I, that's the thing. Yeah, I don't think you get burned on either of these guys because I think both are going to be very, very good. Next question is from a player or about a player that is going to be also a very good outfielder for a long time. It's a George Valera question. Yeah. Very simple. Do we think that George Valera can break camp? with the guardians next year and just a little bit more on just what we think of his performance in triple this comes from at wag wentz w-a-g-g wentz with a z and i think it's a good question because look i I think it would be very ambitious for him to be up at the big league level next year but there's a legitimate chance it happens because valera has been more of the same in triple a if anything he's been maybe even a little bit better uh you know he's gonna he's gonna strike out right i mean he's always been a guy that's struck out around 25 to 27 percent of the time but he's also been a guy that's consistently walked 12 to 13 percent of the time he's an extremely patient hitter um he has a really really good ability to just lift the ball out of the yard it's above average impact but 
also just a really good feel to lift. And he's just got that beautiful all around swing from the left side. And I I believe that the strikeout rate's always going to stay around 25 to 27% as he continues to climb. There's no reason to rush. He's 21 years old. Um, doesn't turn 22 till the off season, but there's a scenario here where he just can finishes a year strong, continues to mash has a great spring. And, you know, maybe he forces the guardian's hand. Uh, I'm pulling up the guardians 40 man roster right now. And, and Valera, you know, the one thing like that I will knock him on this year is I thought stolen bases were going to be a very minor part of his game. He swiped 11 bags last year. He's, he's two for six in the stolen mm-hmm. base department this year. Like it's not, it's not a part of his game anymore. Yeah. Um, I've got the 40 man right here. Um, and I'm looking at the outfielders that are on the 40 man for the Cleveland Guardians. Will Benson. Does Valera displace Will Benson? I think that's the thing. Again, like that's a good point just in itself. But I know you got more names to list, but like I'd rather see what Benson could do for a month or two and then bring up Valera. But Oscar Gonzalez. How's he? He's been good. I really right? like him. Yeah. I really like Oscar Gonzalez. I'll pull up his numbers for you right now because he has been, um, you know, he was the guy that just mashed all of last year beginning of this year with triple a Columbus and in 52 games with Cleveland, he's hitting three Oh three with an eight Oh six OPS. Yeah. So, I mean, I want to see what those guys can do at the beginning of next year. It seems like Valero will be that, that guy waiting in the wings for them. Yeah. Uh, Quan, he does not displace Steven Quan because they do very different things. Um, And then the other two on the 40 man aside from Valera are Richie Palacios and miles straw. Um, it's tough. Now they, they also have, have so a lot many... of 40 man decisions they have to make with the, yeah, they've got a ton of guys. I mean, Nolan Jones is technically listed as an infielder, but we know Nolan Jones plays the outfield as well. Um, Ahmed Rosario's played a little center as well, right? Yeah. Yeah. I don't think it was great out there though. Yeah. I don't think it was great. Um, but I mean like, yeah, they've got guys that they got to make decisions on. Um, I think that this, I mean, this rule five draft is going to be incredible. It's going to be a it's banger. Going to be, don't they have to, banger. don't they have to decide on Will Brennan? Uh, I think so. Yeah. I mean, I there's, there's a 2019 guy. They've got to decide on some dudes. So, you know, I, I think in, if in a vacuum, I think in, in another situation, Valera could force his way onto the big league roster uh, and, and break camp. But because of the guardian situation, seems like it makes more sense for him to be the guy that is waiting in the wings. If someone goes down with an injury, uh, if he continues to mash and triple, somebody's struggling. Like there's a lot of answers that they still need to find at the big league level. And there's guys that I think have earned themselves an opportunity at the beginning of next year. And the 21 year old Valera uh, probably doesn't need to be rushed there to, to force your hand just yet. Yeah. It's really hard to picture a world on opening day in 2023, where George Valera is getting everyday reps. And if he's not getting everyday reps in Cleveland, he should get them in Columbus. Correct. And there's a couple of things I want to see him improve upon. I mean, uh, he's extremely patient, which I like, because if you're an in-zone whiff guy, right, if you're a guy that, you know, just is not going to make the highest rate of zone contact, be extremely patient and selective, uh, especially when you have the slugging on contact that he has. But I would like to see him find a way to get that that in-zone whiff down a bit um, and and just find a way to, to have a little bit more consistency. He loves to go to the pull side. He loves to lift. Let's see you spray the ball a little bit. Let's see a bit more of a two strike swing where you can spoil pitches. And I think those are all things that he can work on because I think we've seen that he's found a way to consistently tap into that power. He's found a way to hit enough, but 
this is the difference between him being a pretty good player at the big league level and an all-star. And it's just that consistency. So why not find that through the first few months of next season? Yeah. Next question. It's a guy that I think should absolutely be up uh, right now. And it's a question about Luis Camposano and what are the Padres really doing with him? It's funny because our own Javier Reyes, who, uh, writes for us just baseball and does a lot of other things and is uh, a Padres host for Locked On, host of the Locked On Padres podcast. He, he always asks me about Padres po- prospects and Camposano's always been a weird case, right? I mean, they rushed him up in a pinch, wasn't fair to him. He struggled. They sent him back down. He was good. They rushed him back up in a pinch again and he was not good. And then he was sent back down and he was good. I don't think this means he was a that he's a quadruple a guy though. I, I don't want that to be mistaken for Luis Camposano being a quadruple a guy. What I think it is, is he's been rushed and thrown into unfortunate situations and um, then goes back down to triple settles in and rakes again. This is a really good hitter that continues to get better. Every time we see him in the triple a level um, continues to walk more, continues to strike out less power is there. He's almost matched his power numbers to a T through 81 games in AAA last year, hit 15 homers through 81 games AAA this year. He's hit 14 extra base hits have been there. He's been more consistent as just a bat to ball guy. And the catching has gotten better as well. They need offense. The Padres do. And Camposano could provide that 298, 363, 483 slash line this year, albeit in a very hitter friendly environment. Cause that only produces a 109 WRC plus. Yeah. But that that's not a knock again. I think Campy would be hitting anywhere right now. He deserves an opportunity at the big league level. Yeah. Um, so it, the other thing, like, yes, we're not calling him a quadruple a guy. We're also not saying that he struggles the way Jared Kelnick struggles because Kelnick gets elongated auditions with the Mariners when he's up. Yeah. Camposano never gotten that. No played one game with San Diego in 2020. He played 11 with them last year. He played four with them this year. There is no opportunity for him to develop at the big league level. There's no opportunity for him to like even get settled in up there. Like it's probably imposter syndrome. You get over that imposter syndrome after two weeks in the major league level. And he's never been given two weeks at the major league level. So I think it's really weird what they're doing here. Um, I I think they don't want a rookie catcher if they feel like they can win the world series, but I mean, I, I pulled up the catching numbers right now. The Padres catching position so far this year. So for the most part, Austin Nola and Jorge Alfaro have a 654 OPS. They're <laughs> slashing 246, 307, 347. They have seven homers. There are three teams with fewer than seven homers from their catchers. The White Sox, Yasmani Grandal, when he's been on the field, which hasn't been often, has been terrible. Reese McGuire was garbage. Sebi Zavala is Sebi Zavala. The Mets, they have three homers. It's what, Nito and McCann, those guys are horrible. And then the Cardinals, three homers. Love Yachty, but that dude's not pumping balls out. No. The fact that you're in that breath with those three teams, granted three good teams, when Camposano's sitting there in El Paso ready for his shot and he provides an immediate massive upgrade offensively, it's kind of a joke. Yeah, and I would say none of those other teams have guys mashing in, in the minor leagues that are close to big league ready. Of course, the Mets have Francisco Alvarez, but you're not doing that. Um, you're not doing he's, that. He's like, still getting his feet under him in triple. Uh, and Herrera's, Herrera's been hitting well in triple, but, but again, Memphis is kind of a bandbox and like he doesn't impact the ball. 
No, and, and and there's there's definitely some some swing and miss concerns there, and just some overall approach concerns. Uh, even though he he doesn't strike out a ton, I see him just just whiff through the the hitter count pitches and then roll up. I, there's just some holes in in Herrera all around at this point that that I'm not relying on him. And also, like they've pieced it together well enough, and the Cardinals don't have offensive problems right now, right? Like the the Mets and the Cardinals can afford to give up offense at the catching position. They're get, the Mets are getting great defense. Um, the Cardinals, it's Yadier and, and Neiser's been fine, or Kisner's been fine. So I, I look at what the Padres need, and I feel like Camposano can be that injection of life. Not only as, as the catcher at times, if you don't love the defense, which I still think is fine enough, he's limited the running game pretty well. Um, he, he could be a DH for you in spots and, and give you some good offense. So I, I really think they need to call Camposano up soon. Um, he doesn't whiff. He, he chases, but not an egregious amount for the amount of power that you're getting here. Um, hits the ball freaking hard. So you can talk about the hitter friendly environment, but I'll just tell you that he has a 106 mile per hour, 90th percentile exit VLO, which Damn. is, you know, well, well, well above average. Give this guy a crack. I think he can really help inject some life into this Padres lineup. I, I hope they do. September 1, I hope they do. We're only a couple of days away from that. Absolutely. And I think they will do it. Uh, would you say you're expecting them to? Yeah, I would think so. Um, like he doesn't even need the reps. Even if he's not playing every day, I think we're at a point now where we don't need Camposano to, to be getting everyday reps. If he's playing two, three days a week with the Padres, I think that's fine because – you can pretty much pencil in Camposano for what he's doing in AAA, which is high 200s batting average, 360 OVP, and a 500 slugging percentage. Like he's legitimately done that for his last 162 AAA games over the last two seasons. Yeah. And like he doesn't if, need the reps. If every piece of the slash line ticks down 20 points, you're still getting better production than what you're getting from Nola and Alfaro. By a lot. Again, 29 home runs in his last 162 AAA games. Compared to seven over 125 games so far this year? Like, it's a no-brainer. Um, and and again, he's thrown out 20 base dealers on 55 tries. I mean, that's more than fine. <laughs> so I think he's limited the, the running game pretty well. He's a little frustrating with blocking at times. He can get a little lazy on you, but... I'm more than willing to deal with that issue uh, if he can help save an offense that has been atrocious lately, which is very surprising when you go out and get somebody like Juan Soto and your offense tapers off. But that just shows you how weird baseball is. Underrated Baltimore Orioles prospect is the next question. And I'll get the actual uh, question and who it came from. Uh, But it was funny because you asked me, like, are, are you listed maybe like three Orioles prospects and you're like are any of these guys underrated and I was like honestly like not really anymore right like you can't call Colton Cowser underrated he was underrated coming into the year even though he yeah. was a super early draft pick because uh, of the underslot status and I still just thought people were not giving him the attention he deserves and, and he's a guy that I've talked about a lot as someone I just really really like the bat and he also has staying power in center um you know Kerstad he he is slowed down a little bit, but also I wouldn't say he's underrated. He's a guy that just like a lot, a lot of people of know how good Heston Kerstad can be. Yes, yeah. exactly. There's a lot of extenuating factors there uh, that that kind of just make it a more of a, an interesting situation. I would have said Kyle Stowers, but he just hit his first home run uh, yesterday, which was so awesome. Oh, two count against Liam Hendricks to tie the game, eventually win the game for the Orioles. Uh, Stowers now at the big league level and, and, you know, putting up some highlight real plays. I wouldn't say that he is uh, 
underrated at this juncture anymore. Uh, my answer would actually be Connor Norby. And, and I've just pulled up the question. This came from Klein Schroeder uh, is, is the at on Twitter. He said, who do you guys think is the most overlooked prospect in the Orioles system? Connor Norby was a guy that I really liked out of the draft, Jack. Uh, second round pick out of East Carolina. And I love my East Carolina hitters because oh, yeah. they all just know how to hit. Alec, yeah, Alec Burleson. Burleson. Yeah. Yes. Alec Burleson talked about it actually on the podcast with, with the two strike, you know, kind of spread it out, shorten the stride and throw your hands at it. I love that. But it's also just a hitting philosophy that seems to just really work across East Carolina. Um, and I, I love my East Carolina hitters. Connor Norby's been spectacular this year uh, in high A. He was okay. And then really hit his stride in double A, which is interesting. 48 games in high A, he hit 237, 311, 425, which is a 97 WRC plus. I should also say Norby's a second baseman. Um, then he gets the bump up to double where he has been spectacular. 293, 376, 547 slash line in 45 games. He's hit 11 home runs. Uh, you combine the two. He's hit 19 home runs. He swept 14 bags. He's getting on base at a pretty good clip. Strikeouts are in the low 20%. I really think this guy's going to be a offensive minded second baseman who can play good defense and sneak in some stolen bases as well. This is a really, really good bat at just 22 years old. Yeah. 18 doubles, 19 pumps, 14 bags uh, across 93 games so far this year. And I mean, like, listen, five, 10 second baseman slugging 485. You don't find that very often. I, I'm a, I'm a big fan. I, I liked the swing. And then again, we talk about the two strike approach and and how that's kind of helped him cut down the case, how it's helped him adjust to the double A level um, and, and even just unlock something. I love seeing guys get promoted and just level up. Right. They clearly yeah. tells you something kind of clicked for them. And it's it's Cliff Godwin, by the way, at ECU, that really just helps instill this hitting philosophy across his entire team. Uh, but I think he also identifies recruits that really just know how to hit and it's just another another guy that I think is going to just continue to mash through the minor leagues and could break in at some point next season with the Orioles. Another really talented infielder. I love the stick. The glove's good. High floor. Good enough ceiling. I think you can really look at potentially 280 batting average, 20 homers and uh, you know a handful of stolen bases and a good OBP at second base with with solid defense. That's that's a top, you know, five or six second baseman in baseball potentially. Yeah, I think so. And, and like we know that's a thin position. Second base and catchers are the two thinnest positions offensively. So if you find a guy that can contribute offensively at second base, hold on to him for dear life, because that's just a spot that you have to worry about less and less. Um, before we move on, there is one guy. And I don't I was going to ask you if there was anybody that, that you had. Yeah, I don't I don't necessarily think that he's underrated, but I just want to shout out what Judd Fabian has done to start his pro yeah. career. Yeah, the dude's a freak. He's going ballistic right now. 12 games, he had four at the complex, and then he's got eight in a low A. I think that's Delmarva. Um, slashing 409, 542, 773 in 12 games. That's eight doubles, two pumps, 10 driven in in 12 games with 14 walks and eight strikeouts. We know he can walk. We know he can hit for power. If the discipline and the pop that's the stay, question. he can rise very, very, very quickly. Absolutely. And that's the question. Do you think he's going to hit enough? Because he bet on himself, went back to UF and did not really hedge any of the swing and miss concerns. He's mashing no. against lower level guys. But I will say, I mean, you can't take away what he's doing. He's doing what he's supposed to be doing. 
I'm just nervous he gets to high A and then all of a sudden he's getting blown up a little bit. He's going to see a shit ton of pitches. I think regardless of if he's putting balls in play or not, he's going to see so many, so many pitches. And I think that um, there, there's a chance that it clicks for him right away. There's another chance that he is the Will Benson mold. Will Benson, it took a little bit, but all of a sudden he led AAA baseball in walks, led it in on-base percentage, and he was mashing the ball because he's a big physical guy. Yeah. Like I, I feel like that could be Judd Fabian, where he's yeah. seeing so many pitches. He's athletic too, you, man. He's, he's yeah. just athletic, yeah. And he, all you got to do is connect with one every other game. You don't – there's mistake hitters, and if you don't miss the mistakes you and you walk, you can be pretty darn good. There's a spot for mistake hitters that walk on every major league roster. Especially in today's game. And then if yes. you can play defense too, if you're not just yeah. a corner, you know, corner or DH guy, which Fabian can move. Uh, yeah. So he brings a little bit more to the table. Um, one other guy I wanted to mention is a, an underrated prospect, maybe in the system is, is Drew Rom, uh, lefty, six okay. two, about 175 pounds, 22 years old, is struggle, struggled in his first outing in, in AAA. I, I think the overall numbers were still impressive. He, he struck out nine, but he walked four and four and two thirds. But I really like the way this guy's trending. Uh, the numbers were really good in double, too. 82 and a thirds innings, a 4-3-7 ERA, but he struck out more than 11 per nine, walked just three per nine. Stuff is ticked up. The command is pretty good. And this could be a rotation piece for them next year. Still just 22 years old and already in AAA. Um, I assume he'll start next year in triple and might have a chance to, uh, you know, get into that rotation at some point. Obviously there's going to be some, some opportunity to do so three pitch mix fastballs, average, maybe above average sliders and above average pitch needs a splitter. That's an above average pitch as well. If the command can continue to trend to be above average, you've got a nice three pitch mix and a, and a solid number four starter here. Potentially. Do you think DL hall is in the rotation to open next year? I think so. I think they're going to give him a go next year um, and, and give him that crack. Why, why waste any more innings in the minor leagues? I, I think, you know, yeah. they want to use him as a bullpen arm down the stretch here, but I think he's going to get every opportunity to to break camp with them. But, you know, if he struggles in spring training, then no, I think he's going to have to earn it, but I think he will. I just like pulling up the uh, Orioles system because I get to look at Jackson holiday and I'm like, he's seven years old. He's seven years old, but he just had his first uh, hit the other night and it was a, it was a scorcher double uh, <clears throat> beat the center fielder over the head. He's got uh, a he, nuke. He got a nuke also. All right. Oh yeah. yeah. He, he, that was at the first, complex. He had his first like full season ball, uh, extra base hit. Was that what that was? Uh, yeah. How about this at the complex eight games, 10 walks, two punch outs. <laughs> yeah. No, he's good, man. That's pretty interesting. <laughs> he's really good. He's really good. Um, speaking of good, I mean, every, every prospect we're basically being asked about is good. Uh, yeah. but this question comes from Carson Roan at, Carson R underscore 12. Do you think wins bat? And this obviously in uh, Mason win, Mason win uh, not Cole wins bat. I don't think we care about that anymore. Uh, no, two way, two way guy. Uh, do you think wins bat will transfer to the bigs or does most of his value as a prospect come from his defensive ability and speed? It's a good question because we know that Mason win. I mean, he was drafted off athleticism, right? This was a guy that was a pitcher that threw upper nineties on the mound and also could fly. Um, but the idea always was that he was going to develop into a very good hitter. And I'm going to say, I think he's going to be a very good hitter. Uh, yeah. We're seeing him at 20 years old, him and his friend, Jordan Walker, just terrorize lineups at the top of the order or terrorize pitchers, excuse me, hey, at the top of the order. That's pretty interesting that you just assumed that they're friends. 
Yeah, they might hate each other. They might they hate might. each other. Uh, I just assume same draft class. They've gone up together. Um, I haven't seen anything about them hating each other, so I'd assume they're friends. Um, but yeah, I mean, Mason wins speed and defense is always going to be, I think, you know, the, the calling card. That's going to be what what really gives him that solidified floor. But the bat's going to be what can make him an all-star. And I think the bat is going to be good enough for him to be an all-star. We're talking about a dude that, yeah, you look at WRC plus 103. So far in 70 games in double A, but again, reiterating that he is 20 years old and was 19 years old at the start of the season, 10 home runs, 22 bags, 11% walk rate, 22% K rate. That's all really, really good stuff uh, right there. And I think he's going to continue to tap into more power as he gets more comfortable. He seems like a guy to me that is feeling out the hit, right? Like, okay, I just want to make sure I can adjust to double A, put bat on ball, but now we're starting to see him take those two oh big hacks uh start to try to lift or or hit the ball with authority in those spots and not just be a guy that's going to put bat on ball by the time he's 21 22 i think we're going to see a, a different hitter that is more focused on hitting for power without compromising the speed and everything else he brings to the game yeah i i'm worried that the speed's going to dissipate a little bit um but in turn there's going to be some pop there so like He's got 11 homers across high end double so far this year in 103 games. So that's on pace for about a 15 homer season in, in minor league ball. Like I think he's probably around 15 as a big leaguer, right? Yeah. Yeah. 15. I, I, what home runs? I, yeah. You know, I think, I think there's, there's a chance he, he could have 20 in there. Uh, he is 37 for 42 in the stolen base department. I don't, I don't think he's going to do that. You don't think he's going to swipe that many bags. I don't think so. I mean, he's a plus runner. Gets good jumps. He moves. I think one of them's going to go. I mean, yeah, there's probably some room for for added weight. Let's say he slows down half. A, I, I just don't know if he slows down. Like, he's a freak athlete, man. Yeah, he is. This guy is a freak athlete. The, look at J-Rod. I mean, this guy continued to fill out, and he got faster. Like, there's some dudes that just are different. And I think Mason Wynn could be just different. If that makes sense. Yeah, no, it does. So I I see 15 to 20 home runs um, and the speed probably still continuing to be more a part of his game. It's it's a similar question that we had with like Robert Hassel, right? What exactly do you want to be and and what kind of player do you want to be? And and do you, I feel like Mason one is always going to want to be the, the speedster that steals bags and taps into a little bit more power as he gets older. But I think that he's still always going to be this guy at his core. And that's kind of what we saw with Hassel. It was always like, is he going to tap into more power? Is he going to tap into more power? Does he really want to? Uh, I don't think he wants to just be this power guy all of a sudden. And Mason Wood makes a ton of contact. Zone contact is extremely high for him, around 86%, 87%. He doesn't chase that much. He's continued to get better in that regard. Exit VOs have, have flashed above average, but are are you know kind of maintained below average. So I feel like he's going to be more of that speed guy that taps into a bit more power as he just generates the man strength and, and fills out a bit more. But yeah, I agree. Kind of 15 homers, 30 bags, great defense at shortstop and gets on base at a good clip. I think that's what we can expect from Mason Wynn if it all comes together. It's really tough to like project these guys, which is why I applaud you. Like I have so much fun watching Mason Wynn right now, but it's it's hard for me to think about like, oh, here's how they will physically transform. Like it, it almost feels like Mason Wynn is in the midst of the final stages of puberty. Like he's got to finish going through puberty. I agree. It's impossible to do that. that. That's why I don't envy the work that NBA draft people do. Oh. 
Because you're just banking on dudes maturing physically when you well, just pull a Chet and he's out for the year. Yeah, I know. I know. And that's the crazy part. Well, and it's funny because if you look at the numbers last year on Mason Wynn, he had four homers or five homers in 97 games. It felt like it was pre-puberty last year. Well, and it's funny. I, I don't know if I don't know if I shot you a text, but I know I, I had a an episode after I went to the complex. Uh, do you remember I went to the Jupiter complex yeah, to go watch the Marlins and the Cardinals on the backfield? Yeah. And I saw Mason win. And I immediately was like, I, I literally came straight home, recorded a podcast and I said, Mason Wynn's going to break out this year. And all I really saw, I didn't see a guy that added him a ton of muscle. I saw a dude that just finally got his body involved in a swing. And he's such an insane athlete as we've now documented like 18 times in the last minute. Uh, How good of an athlete is he? A, a good one, but he's got his lower half incorporated and he's so explosive that now He's really just able to tap into way more power and it hasn't compromised. It's kind of like we we're talking about with Spencer Steer. It hasn't compromised the bat to ball. And he's so twitchy that he can get to tough pitches. He can rotate and just turn on stuff that you are like, how does he get his hands to that? Like he can do all of those things. But at the at the end of the day, he's not hitting balls 110. So I don't know if there's going to be. 20 plus homer pop. I think I agree with you. It might be more 10 to 15, uh, maybe 15 to 20 if, you, if, if he's really continuing to, to fill out physically. But what I'm most encouraged by is walk rate up, strikeout rate down, overall contact rates up, splitting the gaps, picking his spots to hit for power. And that's exactly what Mason Wynn can, can ride all the way to success as a top 10 big league shortstop, which I think is what his ceiling is. Yeah. He also threw the ball 100 miles per hour across the diamond. I and I need to remind people that like once a week. That's freaking insane, insane. That would have been the hardest of the Statcast era, correct? Yeah, it would have been harder than O'Neill. O'Neill was 98.6, I want to say, and I think that's the hardest right now. And he's got still more time to continue to mature physically. So that's a guy that's going to be up there in our top 100 update. Next question comes from one of my favorites. Uh, it's Alex, and it's. Just underscore Lions with a Z on Twitter. Alex has been with us forever, uh, and I'm I'm a, I'm a big fan of his. Uh, he always asks Mariners questions, of course, uh, but always asks really good ones. And he wants to know about Bryce Miller. And Bryce Miller has been spectacular this season. Just turned 24 years old three days ago. So happy belated to Bryce Miller. Uh, but man, this guy was a fourth round pick in 2021. Older guy, college guy. Uh, but he has just hit the ground running and it's been spectacular and what has been really his first full professional season. I'll take you through, you know, what he did in high A, 77 and two thirds innings, a three, two, four ERA uh, struck out more than 11 per nine. It then goes up to double A and six starts, 29 and two thirds innings. He's punched out more than 10 per nine, 303 ERA. Doesn't walk that many guys, pounds a strike zone, mixes up what is like four solid pitches and is comfortable throwing all of them for a strike. Uh, I think Bryce Miller is going to be another just really solid Mariners pitching prospect that could slot into the back end of their rotation as soon as next year. Yeah, I haven't watched him much, but I'm just like trying to get the lowdown on him. Um, this is interesting. Former Brazos Valley Bomber. Shout out the Brazos Valley Bombers. Where's that, that, was, uh, that was the Texas Collegiate League. They were one of the very, very few teams that actually played summer at 2020. Oh, um, yeah. Yeah, yeah that remember was them. I was like almost ready to tune into those games. Yeah, me too. We so I was ready bad. to turn into those. Amarillo was doing something too. I remember they they could have been in that same league, the Texas Collegiate League. But uh, yeah, former Brazos Valley Bomber. But 
I will. Uh, I'll believe everything you say about about Bryce Miller. Sure. Well, you know who else loves Bryce Miller? Jeff Ponce. Uh, Does he? Ponce okay, at Baseball so. America. He ironically just tweeted about him today. Jeff Ponce put a really high draft grade on him uh, going into 2021 and was taking his little victory lap on Twitter today. So lo- always love seeing that from Jeff. Yeah. Jeff knows prospects as well as anybody in this in this entire industry. And uh, what is crazy is he projected the fastball to to kind of tick up. And boy, has it. This is a 70 grade fastball, uh, 95 to 98 miles an hour, 2,500 RPMs, 20 inches of induced vertical break. Damn. That's a 70 grade fastball. Easy. Damn. Easy, easy, easy. Then he 20, also makes 2,500 RPM is something like three guys doing major league baseball. I'll pull yeah. up the list of guys that do 2,500 RPM fastballs. Now, you know, after the crackdown. Um, so that he's dominated with that fastball, 30% in zone whiff on his heater. Uh, so that pitch, when you have a fastball that can set the tone for you like that, your floor is so much higher, right, Jack? I mean, like when you have a fastball, because now that just allows your secondaries to play up. We talk about tunneling. I wouldn't say either of his secondaries or any of his three secondaries are are plus. They're probably average and in, in the slider above average, but they all play up because of the, what the fastball does to set the tone and also allow all of the other pitches to tunnel off of it. Slider is probably above average. It's an 86 mile an hour pitch, tops out at 88. It's sharp. He locates it well. Curveball is average at best, changeups average at best, but mixing those pitches in, they all play up off of what is an elite fastball. Yeah. I, it sounds like it, dude. I mean, that's kind of crazy. There are 20 guys with um, a fastball with an average spin over 2,500 RPM, a four seam fastball. And, and what that allows these guys to do is work secondary pitches off of that. Yep. You said it perfectly. Um, like the, the guys with the highest spin four seam fastballs in baseball right now, of course, all out of the bullpen, uh, Alexis Diaz, Ryan Helsley, Jason Adam, they all do something very, very well. And that's work off of their fastball. Obviously Helsley is like what a hundred billion miles an hour. He's averaging 99, three on his heater, but it's the secondary pitches that he snaps off that works so well off that Alexis Diaz, a lot like his brother. Edwin obviously works with that 101, 102, but that slider is the out pitch. Like when you have that elite of a spin on fastballs, everything else is just enhanced. Joe Musgrove does not throw his fastball that often. He is a slider curveball guy. When he throws his fastball, he's a 20, he's a 25, 58 RPM four seam fastball. So that pitch living at the top of the zone and then seeing a curveball and a slider, which he's very comfortable doing has turned him into a $100 million pitcher. Exactly. Exactly. And, you know, I I think Miller's secondaries, like you said, will tick up because Musgrove's secondaries weren't that good in the early going. They ticked up. And you know who else's wasn't? Julio Urias, who is another starting pitcher who sits above 2,500 RPMs with his fastball. All of them had the fastball kind of set in this, like set the bar. It's the table setter. It's the table setter. And then everything else works off. So, I mean, Miller, he's older at 24 I still think will be a back-end top 100 guy for us. I think a really high floor, number four, if the secondaries tick up, number three kind of guy that could be in the big league rotation for the Mariners next year. So uh, Bryce Miller, I think we're going to hear a lot more about him moving forward. And and I think that might have been part of the reason why the Mariners were okay with parting with some of their other prospect arms um, because they might have seen Bryce Miller going into this year and said, Hey, we like him better than Connor Phillips. Hey, we like him better than Brandon Williamson, which I would put him above both of those guys at this point with what he's been able to do this year. And you know, with what the pitch data kind of suggests. Yeah. hundred percent. 
Tyler Gentry question, which is funny because I didn't think we'd really spend much time on the Tyler Gentry question today, but um, I was actually caught off guard by how good Tyler Gentry's numbers were. And this question comes from Jay Spencer underscore 24, James Spencer. Thank you for the question. He asks, is anything holding Tyler Gentry back from being a more well-respected prospect and just more respected in the prospect circles? Good power, bit of speed, solid K to BB rates, great WRC plus across multiple levels. It's a great question because honestly, I'm not totally sure why Tyler Gentry is not getting more love. And Gentry is an outfield prospect in the Kansas City Royals organization who, again, let's give credit where credit's due. We like to, to crap on the on the Royals for not developing pitchers, though Brady Singer's been spectacular. Yeah, Man, they, they know how to identify and develop bats. And yeah, Gentry is just the latest example of that. Third round pick in 2020's draft out of Alabama continues to just hit. He was great in high A last year. He repeated high A to start this season. And in 35 games, just tore it up, gets promoted to double. And it was more the same in 54 games. He's been spectacular. I'll give you the numbers uh, across both levels so far this year. 326, 428, 541 slash line, 13% walk rate, 22% K rate, 155 WRC plus. And if you want the counting stats, I mean, he does a little bit of everything there too. I mean, he's hitting home runs. He has 18 homers and he has nine bags on 15 tries. So I don't know if stolen bases are a big part of his game, but he has 18 homers. Um, strikeout rate dropped in double a walk rate remains stagnant. Uh, this, there's a lot to like here, man. I, I'm kind of struggling with why he's not uh, a more highly regarded prospect. The offensive profile feels very similar to another Kansas city Royals prospect that has forced his way into the big league lineup every day. Who am I thinking of? Michael Massey. Yes, it is identical to Mike Massey low K rate sneaky power like sneaky 18 home runs this year i think massey hits for more doubles than tyler gentry but with that low of a k rate and you're walking that much too and you're just kind of doing everything well and you're hitting comfortably above 300 everybody needs a michael massey or two in their lineup and and Tyler Gentry might be the extra Michael Massey. Yeah, I agree. And I think he's it's above average defense in a corner too. He, he's an average or better runner. Um, you know, I think could play center in a pinch. So w- what are we missing here? There's just guys like Michael Massey, Tyler Gentry. I mean, Vinny Pascantino was a guy that flew, flew under the radar as well. And I think this is just another under the radar prospect here. Cause I'd put it, I'd put a 50 to 55 on the hit tool. I'd put a 50 on the power. I'd put a 50 to 55 on the speed and I put a 50 to 55 on, on the field. That's a high floor prospect that, you know, could be a back end top 100 guys, 23 years old. He's not 26. Um, he doesn't chase. He chases about 17% of the time, uh, which is nothing. Uh, it doesn't whiff. There's a lot to like here. There's a lot to like here. I, there so many of these guys exist. So many of them. Um, I mean, Lenny Sosa was honestly kind of one of those guys, yeah. too, right? Like Lenny Sosa was one of them. Um, I mean, honestly, like the, the top flight version of what Gentry does is Vaughn Grissom and what he was doing in the minor leagues, right? Yeah. Like just guys that flat out more. hit at every single stop. Yeah. I mean, Aranda with Durham, uh, the Rays prospect, Jonathan Aranda, another guy that just hits 18 you know what's, homers, high batting average. What's interesting to me, though, is those guys fly under the radar because they're stuck at DH first base. Right. Like, yeah, that's what makes Gentry interesting and Massey as well. Like those guys are decent defenders at different oh, positions. Massey's a gold glove caliber second baseman. Correct. Yeah. And Gentry's a 
fine or above average defensive outfielder. So very interesting how some of those guys fall under the radar. And um, that was an excellent question there. Uh, and, and I'm glad we were able to kind of talk about somebody. But another dude, one of the last questions I want to ask is, or I want to answer that was asked was, is Andy Rodriguez a top 100 prospect? And yes. um, I just wanted to talk about him because he was basic. I think we, we either had him on the top 100 list already this past year or he coming into this year, he was on the just missed list. Like we've always been higher on Andy Rodriguez. I mean, I have all of our guys, uh, all of our card collectors at just baseball have been collecting his cards for over a year now. And he's doing better than I ever would have imagined. Like We had him way up there compared to the rest of the industry. And he has been even better than I thought he would be this year. Pirates prospect just turned 22 switch hitter who catches, but also plays the outfield and can play second base. I think long-term they're going to move him off a catcher because he's just so talented with the stick. And he's, I would say the hottest hitter in the minor leagues right now. I don't think that's hyperbolic, right? No, 12 games with double AL tuna since the call up. He is slashing 356, 453, 711. Four doubles, four homers, 13 driven in, seven walks, nine punch outs in 53 plate appearances. You want to hear his last 40 games? Yeah. 390, 485, 759 slash line, 226 WRC plus, more walks than strikeouts. Dude. Think this kid figured something out? I'm so stupidly excited to see him in Indy at some point. And you will sooner rather than later. And, and this, what I loved about Andy is his swing from both sides, super repeatable. His, his, I just like all of his moves. He's an athletic hitter that really just uncorks on the baseball, though. Like it's, he's compact, but explosive. And he makes a ton of contact, but gets a lot of quality on the contact as well. And I, I'm I'm thinking this guy could be one of the more exciting young prospects that nobody really knows about. Uh, and I'm starting to see him get a lot more attention, but I wonder if they're going to keep him a catcher. He's kind of played a little bit of everywhere so far this year. Uh, he still has made 51 starts in high A at catcher. And then after getting bumped up to double, though, he's only made nine starts there. Actually, no, but he hasn't played that many games in double. So he's playing more he's catcher. He's playing more catcher. So I don't know. I don't know what the what, what the plan is long term. He's not a bad catcher. I think he's a chance to be an above average defender at yeah. the catching position, which is the craziest part. Uh, but man, his bat's so good. I'm almost starting to think that he might be better served elsewhere. But hell, if he's a good defensive catcher, you might have like a Adley Rutschman light here. <laughs> so of the, of the 10 games that he has played defensively with Altoona, nine of which have been behind the dish. The other one was at second base in Greensboro. 51 games at catcher, 13 games in left, 15 games in second, three games at first. So he can play second base. He can play left field. He can play first base. He can catch. You know, it's funny with the presence of of Henry Davis, who's back off the IL. And, you know, we know he's going to be a very good player. Um, I wonder if this is a similar Dalton Varshow, Carson Kelly type of situation. It'd be kind of awesome if it was. And I think I think that's that's what they might do. And I would love that. I would absolutely love that when Andy's not catching throw him in the outfield, second base, wherever the hell. And then, you know, some days he catches and, and can do that as well. And you have that that maximization of of impact with two good bats because Henry Davis's bat's going to carry as well. Um, yeah. And Carson Kelly, when he's right, is is a guy that can really swing it too. So yeah. uh, I, I would really like to see them do that. And uh, Andy Rodriguez has long been one of my favorite underrated prospects in baseball. And I think he's soon going to be, you know, just not underrated anymore um, yeah. as he continues to just force people to pay attention to him. Yeah, man, I'm I'm excited. As soon as you keyed me in on Andy, I uh, 
I kind of keyed everybody in, in Indianapolis in on ND2, and I, I think we're all excited to, to have him at some point. That swing really plays, especially yeah. from the left side, and he uses the whole field so well. That'll do it for this episode of the call-up. Uh, we'll have a prospect interview next week. Uh, we also will have another top 10 next week and continuing to just finish up that top 100 update as we're eliminating some people from the number one consideration. I still can't believe I haven't decided that. It's usually so much easier to decide that, but right now that is actually really hard, but we're continuing to, to turn out those write-ups, excited to do that. Uh, and it's going to look a lot different than the last top 100 list. If you can take a second to leave a rating on the podcast and help us grow it, uh, that would be awesome. I continue to hear people be like, I can't believe I just found this podcast. I love it, which I really appreciate it. It means a lot to hear that. Uh, I can't believe it's not bigger or whatever. Help us share it with your friends. No, no, it's on us too. We got to market better, I guess. But yeah, definitely. If you have any friends that love this kind of stuff, whether it's dynasty cards, whatever it may be, you know, we are always covering that. And I think we can help a lot of people in all of those different ways with their prospect info. Talk to you guys next week. Thanks as always for listening. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.